Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about how not to get ripped off. Uh, that is, pay for financial advice that is worthless. Unfortunately, over the last uh, month or so, I've seen two or three financial plans put together by quite well-known businesses uh, that are in the in the property space. Uh, so, not your traditional, you know, financial planner trying to sell expensive managed funds, but you know, uh, businesses coming from different angles. And unfortunately, the advice has been very poor. And obviously, because I've been speaking to these people, uh, the, the people, that, the clients that have actually paid for the, the advice uh, share my opinion. That is, you know, that they're, they're very unhappy with it. So um, what I wanted to do is, is record this podcast to outline a, a bunch of questions, five or six different questions that you could ask a financial planner to ascertain whether the advice that you're going to pay for is actually going to be worthwhile and exactly what you expect. Uh, so there's typically, before we get into the questions, there's typically two problems with the advice, the, the, the advice that I've seen, not only just in the last month, but also the advice that I've looked at, you know, really over the last sort of 15 years that really destroys the value. Um, and the first one is limited scope. And the second one is, is just a guise to sell your product. So let's talk about limited scope first. So here's an analogy. You go off to your GP. And you say, look, I'm ill and I want a diagnosis and then I would like you to recommend a treatment plan. But hey, you can only examine the left side of my body. Don't, don't look or ask me questions, look at or ask me questions about the right side of my body. Now, as you can imagine, any uh, professional GP, uh, ethical GP is just going to say, well, you've limited the scope or my ability to be able to um, determine a reliable diagnosis, so I'm just not going to do the work. Because the, the doctor's going to think, well, what have I missed? If I had been able to ask about the right side of the body, maybe my whole diagnosis would change, and therefore I can't reliably uh, determine what the right path or advice or treatment plan is. And look, to, same, to the same degree, uh, that applies to financial advice as well. So if you come to me just giving uh, and ask me to just give you advice in respect to how to invest your super, Sometimes, in very limited situations, you can do that without really um, exposing the advice to risk, you know, the risk that it's wrong, for example. But most times, it's silly, you know, and, and you destroy the potential value that you can receive by putting such limitations on that scope of advice. So, you know, advice can be limited in, in scope in terms of asset class and then in terms of um, uh, topics as well, which we'll get to in the in the questions. But you know, if you go off to an advisor and they can only give you advice about shares and managed funds, so that they can't consider property, I'm not suggesting that everyone should invest in property. That's stupid. But um, what I'm suggesting is that you certainly want to go off and get advice from someone that can consider all the major asset classes, which is really cash, bonds, shares, and property, to be able to determine in their independent professional view which asset class or or combination of asset classes suits you best and so if you if you um say okay i can give you property advice for example but i'm not going to consider um shares i'm not going to consider um asset protection i'm not going to consider uh a risk profile and insurance and super and these sorts of things it's in my view um most times 90 percent of the time worthless it's worthless paying for such advice 
The second problem is it's just a guise to sell your product. And, and this is a this is a major problem. Now, continuing on with my medical analogy, if you went to your GP and they can only provide one type of medication or they could only provide uh, a medication supplied by only one pharmaceutical company, how, how confident or happy are you going to be? It's stupid, right? So... Um, absolutely, you want to make sure that they've got a full kick bag of, of um, tools to be able to sort of help you develop a, a, a reasonable and astute strategy. But also, you want to make sure that they've got nothing to sell you at the end of the day. You know, so if you go off and ask a buyer's agent, should you invest in property, what do you reckon they're going to tell you? Is Warren Buffett says, you never ask your barber whether you need a haircut. So, um, whereas... If you, if you go off to an advisor and they don't make any more or less money irrespective of whether you invest in property or shares or where your super is at or so forth, they've got no commercial vested interest, then what you're really going to be paying for typically is the advice, not the product at the end of the day. The big banks are probably the biggest um, uh, business, businesses that compromise this, that really dress the advice up uh, and really it's just product sales at the end of the day. Uh, so that they're the two key issues that I've seen with the advice that people have paid four or five thousand dollars just to be sold another product, or they've paid four or five thousand dollars and the scope has been so limited that it really destroys any possible value that that, that exercise could um, deliver. So let's get into the questions that you can ask that are going to give you a really good sense of whether that advice is going to be worth paying for and whether you're actually going to crystallise the value that you hope will be generated from such an exercise. Uh, let me provide one caveat before we get into it. If you have decided already that you're going to invest in shares or you're going to invest in property, so you've decided what asset class and you are super confident that that is the right decision, then ignore what I'm about to tell you and what I've told you so far. Because then going off to an asset class specialist, so if you go off to someone and said, okay, construct me a property portfolio, I don't want to have a conversation about shares or super, and I don't really care about shares or super. I'm so confident that property is the right way to go. Just put a property portfolio for me together for me. If you're in that mindset, then that's okay. You know, ignore what I'm about to tell you. However, if you're not super confident and, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure how a, a layperson can necessarily have that such high level of confidence, but if you're not super confident or you really just don't know where to start and you'd like some balanced advice, then these questions will help you determine whether the advisor you're sitting in front of will um, deliver such advice. And this is uh, really, I've gathered these questions over the last sort of 15 years of experience of people asking me the questions and me thinking, yeah, that's a really good question. Or, you know, putting myself in your shoes thinking, well, what questions would I ask? Um, so let's get into it. The first question is, what strategies would you compare or consider? Or another way of framing the question would be, what strategies would you definitely not consider appropriate for my situation? And the best time to ask this is typically in the first meeting after you've had a bit of a discussion, after the advisor's been asked, ask you a bunch of questions about your situation. And what you're looking for in the answer to this question isn't necessarily a really strong idea of what the advice is going to look like. Because obviously the advisor hasn't done their work yet, they haven't done analysis, they haven't had some thinking time. What you're really looking for is that the advisor is already kicking around a couple of different options. So what you want to ascertain here is they're not a one-trick pony, that they've just got not one-size-fits-all sort of strategy, that they can compare a combination of property and shares or whatever. 
Now, it's possible, and sometimes it happens uh, uh, to me as well, it's possible the advisor is totally confused and has no idea really um, what strategy in it will be appropriate and really needs to do some work. In that situation, however, typically nearly always it's clear what strategies definitely aren't appropriate. So sometimes you can answer the question by saying, look, I'm not sure what the strategy will look like, but I definitely know it's not going to include uh, investing in property within a self-managed super fund, for example. And these are the reasons why. And again, you're just looking for some some robust understanding and and, so, and that that person's going to consider various different strategies. So it's a really good question to ask. Next question is, can I see a copy of some recent advice that you put together for a client? So you want recent so they don't just cherry pick, something in the last month or so. Um, And what you're looking for is two things. Firstly, are there a lot of generic paragraphs? Generic paragraphs, you know, nothing specific to the client. I mean, and I don't think a specific paragraph is just dropping the client's name in there. I'm saying specific about their situation. If there's a lot of generic paragraphs, it suggests that the the advice is templated. Um, The second thing to look for is the advice is very thick. So, you know, if it's got more than, say, 30 pages, I've seen some 100 pages. Now, that 100 pages is not going to be tailored advice. Um, and you don't need to pay $4,000 for a 100-page document either. You know, you can buy a book, and a book will contain 50, 60,000 words, and it'll cost you 30 bucks. That's full of generic, and some books have amazing value. Um, of course, Investopoly is one of those. <laughs> I love this stupid Stuart. Anyway, um, uh you know, so you can go out and buy a book. You not don't want to pay for generic advice. What you want to pay for is tailored advice, and that's what you want to look for. We try and solidify our financial strategies on one page. You know, it forces us to think very carefully and communicate very simply to a client and, and, and try to avoid complexity and make a really simple, easy-to-understand strategy. So you don't want a 50-page document. Okay, third question Will you consider all asset classes? Or, put it differently, are there any asset classes that you won't consider? Four main asset classes are property, direct property, shares, managed funds. Uh, Number three is bonds. Number four is cash. They're the four major asset classes. Of course, there's other asset classes or subclasses within them. uh, But really, uh, 95%, 99% of the time, you only really need to utilize in the main those four asset classes. If you're seeing an advisor, you want to make sure they can advise on all four, in my opinion. Not to say that property or shares... Uh, you know that everyone should invest in both or either of them uh, but if you want to some advice and I'm not going to recommend uh, property to you you want to make sure that it's not because I just don't understand property or can't advise on it it's because I fundamentally understand it's not appropriate for you okay number four is will the advice cover the four main financial planning topics so financial advice should cover four main areas. Number one, investment strategy formulation, which is really all about what to invest in, when, how much, and, and what sort of ownership structures. Number two, cash flow management projections, really how do I manage uh, cash flow efficiently now and what does my cash flow look like ongoing, particularly through to retirement. Number three, risk management, which is all about how do we reduce the risk out of the strategy Some of that's about insurances, income protection, life, so forth, but also ways to mitigate investment risk as well in terms of adoption of different methodologies, paying for advice, uh, asset-specific advice, and so forth. The fourth is estate planning and asset protection. Uh, So really wills, power of attorneys, financial agreements, again, interlinked with 
uh, ownership structures and so forth. They're the four main areas. Again, you'll see this all in the show notes uh, within the podcast uh, and a link to the, our website um, uh, where, where I've uh, written out the blog. Uh, but they're the sorts of you want that holistic advice. Now, if I give you a, an investment strategy in cash flow but give no consideration to asset protection and something changes in your life and exposes your assets, it can undo all the good work. You could be investing for 10 or 20 years and it's all undone. So in my view, it's absolutely stupid uh, to if you're going to go out and pay for advice to have massive holes in the scope of that advice. You want it to consider those four considerations. Okay, last question uh, to ask is, do they eat their own cooking? So here you're trying to ascertain are they a doer or a teacher. Now, I don't necessarily think this is absolutely critical. I mean, it really depends, but I'm sharing my opinion here. And in my opinion, I'm not going to ask a poor man for financial advice. You know, if someone's living paycheck to paycheck, living out of their car, can't make ends meet, I'm not sure I'm going to take financial planning advice from someone like that. Similarly, if I'm going to go find a personal trainer, you know, I don't want someone that's morbidly obese either. I want someone that lives what they say that they're doing and has done what they say that that, that they're doing as well. So um, you don't necessarily want someone that's completely financially independent. Of course, you know, they're working. People work for different reasons, of course. Um, uh, So that's not what I'm saying. But what you want to do is make sure they're on the path to achieving financial freedom also. I think it goes to the authenticity of the advisor and also integrity, but from a a practical perspective, it's a mindset issue. It's also an issue of having to deal with these things themselves personally. So, you know, I put wheels together. I've invested in commercial and residential property. I've invested in shares. You know, I I understand, you know, I've done what I'm telling my clients to do and i think it it brings with it a lot of authenticity and so forth so um uh listen to uh you know ask them questions get an understanding of uh, are they on the path uh and and again a lot of this is quite subjective but certainly worth considering though my final comment as i've written about and spoken about lots of times make sure they're independent so that is that they don't have a vested interest in the advice outcome. They don't have a product to sell at the end of the day. Whether you invest in property or shares or where your super is invested or whether, in fact, you don't invest at all, they should not make any more or less money. They should not have a commercial vested interest in that outcome. So that way you can go to them and say, Stuart, what do you think? And if I express a really strong opinion, you don't need to worry about whether my strong opinion, I've got that strong opinion because I've got a vested interest. It's only because I think that's actually the best thing to do. Uh, my final comment before I leave you is really around financial advice businesses and the fact that they're not scale- scalable. So if you're running a business, the easiest way to build a sustainable and very profitable business is to develop a product that you can sell at, that has a high profit margin and then sell as much of that product as possible. So scale your business. The reality is that financial advice businesses, in my opinion, are not scalable. So as soon as you try and scale financial advice and turn it really into a product, you destroy a lot of its value because the advice becomes templated. You have a lot of people giving advice, so what you need to do is build a lot of controls and restrictions around how they can give that advice. And also experience is not scalable. There's only one Stuart Weems that has been doing this for 20 years that have had all these conversations over the past 20 years. And you can't go and hire a whole bunch of, I can't go and hire 20 different advisors and then somehow download all my experience into their head. And so that they've got the same 
um, you know, benefits and give you the same quality of advice. That's not scalable. And what you find is the business that try and scale advice typically fail and, and ruin the advice outcome, and the banks are the best example of this, as we've seen through the Royal Commission. So really good quality advice businesses tend to be small in size. And I certainly can say this about ProSolution. We have eight staff at the moment. I will never get above 20, and even probably 15 is is the max. And we're about to hire another person now, but um, I, we, I have no um, desire whatsoever to employ 50 staff. I just don't think... Um, you know, there's better people out there than me, of course, but uh, in my view, with my experience, I just don't think you can build a business that size without watering down the quality of the advice that you're giving. Now, again, I'm not suggesting every business that have 50 staff doesn't give quality advice, not at all, but um, I'm just saying that's my perspective. So if you're going to go off and get advice, just keep that in the back of your mind. If you're dealing with a really large business or a bank or an institution, you know, just realise that perhaps what you're what you're going to get is more of a product than really tailored advice. My last uh, indication is go with your gut. If you're sitting in front of an, an advisor and you just don't feel comfortable, but you don't really know why, don't worry about it. Walk the other way. Keep going. Get referrals off people that you trust, colleagues, friends, um, and so forth, and find the advisor that you are actually comfortable with. Okay, so that's it. Uh, of course, all the information is in the show notes. Uh, if you like uh, my podcasts, please can I ask, go jump onto iTunes and, and give it a, a five-star rating. Uh, maybe even leave a, a comment. It's always nice to read uh, the feedback from people that are enjoying the podcasts. And, and obviously, it helps me get it out uh, to, to more people. Uh, but that's it from me. Bye for now. Uh, until next week.